This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Due to social distancing, I can't let huge audiences into my basement anymore. I've resorted to using phony sound effects. <laughs> this is episode 52. In this episode, I will tell the story of Charlie Treyer of Pennsylvania, who in the 1980s was one of the greatest American ultra runners in the shorter distances. I hope everyone is safe, well, and able to get out and run in places away from others. My running companions are now the deer and the elk. I'm doing my part to help. After one month, I have only used one roll of toilet paper. Wow! Now to our story. Charlie Treyer of Pennsylvania was one of the greatest short-range American ultra-runners of the 1980s. During his ultra-running career, he accumulated at least 15 ultra-wins, including several national championships. He was known for bolting out into the lead like a wild banshee at the start of a race with a kamikaze attitude no matter what the distance. It was a winning strategy that he used very effectively. Treyer was one of the very few elite American ultra runners of the 1980s who competed against the best runners in the world internationally. He is credited for bringing American ultra running to the world stage and became both feared and greatly respected by ultra runners in Europe. In 1987, he was named the Ultra Runner of the Year by Ultra Running Magazine and was honored also in 1987 as the first recipient of the Ted Corbett Award. He was easy to pick out and known for his bright red hair and beard. At one time, he was described as a cross between a leprechaun and Yosemite Sam. I'm the hootinest, tootinest, shootinest, bobtail wildcat in the West! Charles Anthony Treyer was born September 14, 1954, in Richmond, Indiana. His father, Ray, was employed as the manager of a farm at Earlham College, a private Quaker school. The Treyers lived on the farm, which was stocked with pigs, cattle, horses, and used for teaching agricultural science. The Treyers soon moved to their own 45-acre farm. When Charlie was about age 7 in 1961, the Treyer family sold their farm and moved to a farm at Hershey, Pennsylvania. Hershey is the home of the famous chocolate company. Charlie was very active and had a newspaper route, delivering by foot and by bicycle. He worked hard on the farm and had to keep up with the baler on foot. All this contributed to building up his running strength as a child. Charlie attended Hershey High School, and in 1969 he followed his brother Tim's running footsteps to run on the Trojan cross-country team. Both competed well, but Charlie would eventually progress to be the best on the team. In high school, Charlie set the school record for the two-mile run multiple times with a best of 9 minutes and 55 seconds. He also held records on four cross-country courses in his conference. During his senior year, Charlie went to try a half-marathon at Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. He surprised everybody, including himself, when he finished third with an impressive time of 1.16. He started to realize that he had even greater strength running longer distances. 
After high school in 1972, Treyer went to Millersville State College in Millersville, Pennsylvania, where he majored in industrial arts. While there, he ran both cross-country and track, primarily in the three and six-mile events. He started to run marathons in the winters between his running seasons and discovered that he was even more competitive at longer distances. Treyer ran his first marathon at the Dixon Marathon in Chester, Pennsylvania. He said he didn't know what he was doing, but he won with an amazing time of 2.30. After graduating from college in 1976, Treyer moved to Reading, Pennsylvania. He joined local running clubs and began running the prestigious, highly competitive marathons like New York City and Boston. His marathon times were consistently around 2.25, and his best was 2.20, which qualified him for the 1980 Olympic Marathon Trials. At the trials in Niagara Falls, New York, he placed 115th out of 192 runners, finishing with a 2.29. I realized in the Olympic trials, here, here I am running with the, the Frank Shorter and the Bill Rogers and the, you know, the whole nine yards. In the Olympic marathon, I go through the 10K and I'm running pretty much at my top 10K speed. Bill Rogers and Frank Shorter are, are right near me. And it's like they're out for a Sunday stroll. And then they click the pace up five to 10 seconds faster per mile. And they're long gone. I worked so hard just to be able to qualify for the Olympic trials. Here I realized that if I want to get to that next level, and now I'm thinking I have to take another five or six or seven seconds off per mile. And I realized that's almost impossible for me to do. So then a friend of mine said, well, there's these ultra marathons. Why don't you try one of those? And so that's what I ended up doing. It, it just fell into place for me. The historic Two Bridges 36-mile road race was Scotland's most famous ultramarathon. It became a very important part of Treyer's ultra-running career. The race was established in 1968 and became world-known. Many of the greatest ultra-runners in the world competed there. The course was composed of a large, nearly complete, road loop with 12 aid stations along the way. It ran on the north side of the River Firth the Forth and then returned on the south side. The race was named Two Bridges because it crossed Kincardine Bridge and Forth Road Bridge. Tonight, I stand between two bridges and watch the red glow of the day's sun silhouette the hills to the north and west over Fife and Perthshire. On my right, the Forth Rail Bridge, an icon of Scotland and a testament to the skills of a generation went before. In the United States, other races were patterned after the famous Scottish race. The best known of these races was held in Washington, D.C. It was established in 1972 and also called Two Bridges. The U.S. course was also 36 miles and initially ran from the Washington Monument to Mount Vernon and back, crossing over Potomac River twice. This event became one of the oldest modern-day American ultras. In 1981, Treyer ran in the U.S. Two Bridges race for the first time. The winner would be offered free air travel to run in the Scottish race. Observers were stunned at newcomer Treyer's quick start and the lead he built after only five miles. It was reported, this was his first ultra, but Charlie Treyer took off at the start as if it was a much shorter race, clipping off a 5.08 first mile. 
He reached the marathon mark in a blistering 2.30. He built up a lead of five minutes and held off a strong charge from Steve Molnar, who was only a minute behind at the 30-mile mark. That must have scared Treyer, who sped to the 50-kilometer point, reaching it in three hours flat. But then Treyer struggled. One spectator said, For the last three miles, Treyer looked like jogging death. But he held on, winning by only 34 seconds, setting a new course record in this 10th edition of the race. His performance was impressive, and with his sudden appearance in ultra running, he received immediate attention and respect throughout the sport. Treyer recalled in 2020, so I went down there with the idea that I'll just run like a fairly quick marathon and just see how I can hang on for 10 more miles. I'd like to get out in the front and then settle into my pace. And it just worked out pretty good. You know, that was the beginning of it. He won the trip to race in Scotland. Treyer did compete in the 1982 Two Bridges race in Scotland. No one knew him there. He had once grabbed the lead, followed by a group of five runners. By the first bridge, two others pushed in front, and he battled for third place as they headed for the second bridge. He finished in 3.38 for an impressive fourth place and became the highest-placed overseas competitor ever in two bridges. Donna Marie Regal, Treyer's future wife, was a divorced mother of three boys who worked at a drugstore in Treyer City. She ran in some short running races with friends, and they were just happy to finish before the course was closed. They had noticed Charlie at races, always alone, struck up a friendship, and started giving him rides to races. At that time, Treyer was a delivery man for Charles Chips, a snack food company. Charles Chips. All natural, no cholesterol, and simply delicious. He would stop in at the drugstore where Donna Marie worked to see her and sell his chips. In 1983, Treyer again ran the Two Bridges race in Washington, D.C., this time with 170 runners. He invited Donna Marie to go with him and ride her bike along with him as a crew. So she brought her one-speed heavy Huffy bike. Huffy, America's first choice. People chuckled at the start when they saw her bike and asked if she had ever ridden it for 36 miles. She admitted that she had not, but promised not to get in the way. Treyer dominated, took the lead from the start, and built up a lead of six minutes. He said, I went out really quick, which is what I usually do. I wanted to win this to go back to Scotland. He reached the marathon mark in 2.34. Donna Marie kept up with him on her bike. Because he had such a large lead, she didn't have to worry about getting into people's way. Treyer won. David Horton of Virginia was a distant second. Horton commented, His lead kept me motivated. After a mile and a half, though, I didn't even see him. At the awards ceremony, Treyer said to Donna Marie, Since you rode your bike with me, you are now my official support crew, so you will have to go to Scotland with me. A couple weeks later, Treyer proposed marriage to her while they were digging potatoes at a community garden. They earned money for their wedding by recycling office paper for large businesses, tons of paper. They were married August 4, 1984, before the trip to Scotland.
At beautiful Scotland, on race day in August 1984, 115 runners competed. That year, Treyer was known and was among the favorites. He again took the lead from the start, chased by ultra-running great Don Ritchie, the world record holder for 100 miles of 11 hours and 30 minutes. At 20 miles, Treyer was running stride for stride with Ritchie and the eventual winner, Barry Heath. Ritchie and Heath stayed together while the American tried several times to get away, only to drop back to the other two. They reached 30 miles together at 2 hours and 56 minutes. Heath went into the lead at the second bridge and went on to win. Treyer finished third to Ritchie, just 6 seconds behind. After the race, Ritchie recalled that Treyer commented that he had too much respect for Ritchie to pass him toward the end, but he could have done it. Treyer confirmed this. Don was my idol because of all the amazing things he had accomplished. I couldn't bring myself to pass him. Back in 1977, Neil Weygandt, Tom Osler, Ed Dodd, and three others ran from the Liberty Bell in Pennsylvania to the Boardwalk and Convention Hall at Atlantic City a distance of nearly 100 kilometers. They tested out the possibility of putting on an annual race similar to England's famous London to Brighton race. The race became formal in 1980 and won by Wigand. In November 1984, Treyer was ready to run 100 kilometers for the first time and picked the Philly to Atlantic City race against a large field of 48 runners. Many were curious how he would do at the longer ultra distance. Charlie was the real unknown quantity, not unknown in the sense of unheralded, just subject to speculation how he would hold up at 100 kilos. He lurched into his characteristic early mad dash from Pennsylvania City Hall in the pre-dawn, sub-freezing November chill. Other runners thought Treyer would crash at the longer distance, but he didn't slow to more than 7 minute miles until after the 50 mile mark when he had trouble. Treyer literally tumbled at around 52 miles, his left hamstring finally succumbing to a 10-mile attack of cramps. He lost his lead but soon recovered and powered on to the win in 7 hours and 2 minutes. It was the fastest 100-kilometer time in America that year. In the coming years, Treyer owned the Philly Atlantic City race, winning it an astonishing 5 straight years. The 1986 race included about 60 runners, the most ever at that point to run an American 100k road race. Treyer cruised to the early lead as usual, but crashed from mile 40 to 50, stumbling, walking, and eventually stopping completely within the 50 mile mark and was ready to quit. He had a golf ball sized knot in his calf. But after crew support and a hug from his wife, he started out again with an eastward shuffle. After a few miles, he was again running well and finished in 6 hours 51 minutes, lowering his course record. He convinced himself that his best distance was 100k. By 1985, there was about 100, 100 kilometer races held around the world. As popularity increased, many 100k races sought to be high-profile elite events that made invitations to runners from several countries. These created a desire to have a true 100k world championship race. The International Association of Ultra Runners, IAU, was formed in 1984 and eventually made plans to hold 100k world championships. 
These international races became a catalyst for more runners to get into ultra running and compete at the 100k distance. In 1987, the first IAU 100k World Championship was held in Torhout, Belgium. It did not include national teams and it was run on an uncertified course. Most of the top Americans at the time entered and started the event, including Treyer. At the World Championship race, there were more than 400 runners and an additional 2,000 more in a walking division. It was reported, Torhout was so small it didn't even have a local hotel. In an inspiring example of community solidarity, the locals managed to house all the invited athletes in local homes. They also came up with about 200 volunteer cyclists to serve as directional escorts and mobile aid stations. The race started in the afternoon and ran through the night in rainy weather. Treyer started fast with the leaders as usual as they moved through the narrow streets of Torhout. By about 15 kilometers, Don Ritchie caught up with Treyer and later wrote, We came to a dirt road with many large puddles, so I was very cautious at this stretch, weaving to avoid the puddles in case I got grit in my shoes from splashing through them. By 20 kilometers, I caught up with Charlie Treyer and Barney Klecker of the United States. I decided to run with them. The checkpoints and refreshment stations were inside sports halls, which we had to run through, and this was quite an experience with all the lights, TV cameras, food, music, and lots of cheering people. Richie pulled away from Treyer at 50 kilometers, but he caught back up by 60k. They were tied for second place, Richie wrote. The rain had never stopped, but it became torrential, and now it was just a question of holding on to the finish. Richie finished second, and Treyer faded a bit to fifth, the top American finisher. Treyer had developed great experience running ultras in Europe, and had a deep admiration for the sport there. He said, There is more respect, interest, and knowledge of the ultra community over there. There's much more involvement on the local and national level with the sport. In America, ultra-runners are looked upon as people crazy enough to go beyond the marathon, and in Europe, they are looked on as great, as doing something beneficial, not as being crazy. In 2020, looking back, Treyer understood the impact that he had on the history of ultra-running. The thing that I gave to ultra-running was to get U.S. ultra-running recognized in Europe. Europe had ultra-running for a long time before us, Many of the European runners were all professional runners. They were paid by their government, and they had many, many, many more races over in Europe than we did here in the United States. When I went and ran in the first 100K World Championships, here I am as an amateur runner, working 40 hours a week, and trying to sponsor myself to get to these races because we didn't have any kind of funding. As an amateur, I go over and I run the first 100K World Championship, and I came in fifth. And that kind of brought us to the forefront that Americans are able to compete with the Europeans. And after doing that several times, then we became respected. In August 1987, at Scotland, Treyer ran two bridges for the third time. He recalled... I went to the lead with Don Ritchie and others. We ran as a group. At about 15 miles, I started to pick up the pace. Only Don Ritchie stayed with me. 
Richie later wrote, Charlie and I were on our own. However, soon after this, I became aware of losing my strength, but was able to keep up with Charlie and we passed 20 miles. I found it increasingly difficult to stay with him, so I had to ease back on the steep hill at about mile 21. I lost a great deal of ground as I shuffled up. Treyer added, I had been running relaxed and not trying to push too hard. At 21 miles, the route goes up a long hill having several levels. By 24 miles, I had pulled away, and I was on my own to the finish. Treyer won the iconic race and was the first winner outside of the British Isles. That win gave him the confidence that he could run with top international runners. In 1987, Treyer was named the Ultra Runner of the Year by Ultra Running Magazine. He was also honored to be presented the inaugural TAC Ted Corbett Award. What were Treyer's secrets? When he trained, he ran what he called a slow pace, usually around 7 minutes per mile, 65 to 100 miles per week. He trained mostly on roads, which would take its toll over the years on his knees. He would run nearly every day, missing a day or two a month, running all year round. He used 10K races and marathons to prepare for longer races. He explained that leading up to his key races, he concentrated more on his diet. I carried out a rigid depletion and carbo-loading diet. My system was to eat a lot of protein for two days, and then a day during which I only took water. Then I loaded up on carbs for two days. Donna Marie explained Charlie's fueling during races. From the time I crewed him, I started mixing a magical concoction from the drugstore of a secret mix of powdered sucrose, coke syrup, and a few other bits and bobs for his energy mix. We found that the secret ingredient was the coke syrup. That and duct tape and Vaseline were ready to send him anywhere. Treyer didn't run very much on trails. He said, I'm not really very good at trail running. A trail runner needs to be light-footed, and I just don't fit that mold. I'm a forward motion runner. Changing speeds and directions is hard for me. I just do the trail runs as a change of pace. He never ran any 100-mile races. The Edmund Fitzgerald 100K was established in Duluth, Minnesota in 1982. It was named after the famous ship that tragically sunk in Lake Superior during a terrible storm in 1975 with no survivors. The stunningly beautiful 62.2 mile course went along the shoreline of Lake Superior from Finland to Brighton Beach, just outside of Duluth. Aid stations were provided every five kilometers. In October 1988, Treyer ran Fitz for the first time. That year, it was the 100K National Championship, and he hoped to defend his 1987 title. For a couple days, he hung out with Ray Clark of Santa Clara, California, who would be his main competition. They both knew that either of them had a chance to win the race, but there was no ego to separate their friendship. On race day, they both competed well, but Treyer explained, At 70K, my right hamstring started to tighten. I stopped and rubbed my leg, which helped. At the end, it was just a matter of keeping myself going. I knew if it was physically possible for me to finish, I'd finish. He did in second place. Clark won by about 10 minutes. 
The next year, in 1989, Treyer returned to Edmund Fitzgerald, and it was again the site of the national championship. Three of the 100K greats at the time competed, Treyer, Tom Zimmerman, and Ray Clark. Certainly the presence of these three in the same race was momentous enough. Between the three of them, they had garnered most of the big performances of the past five years, both domestic and foreign. The runners gathered at the start in darkness. The front runners blazed off into the darkness, followed by the remainder of the field, moving at more and more casual paces until the last runners disappeared into the darkness. After the mass start, Treyer ran with the lead pack that included Clark and Zimmerman, clocking sub six minute miles. On record pace at the 12 mile mark, someone shouted, That was a 12 mile warm up. Now there's only a 50 mile race to go. At 50k, Treyer led the pack, but at 60k, Zimmerman came to life and roared into the lead group up a long climb, but Treyer hung on. At 70k, Zimmerman had amassed a meager lead of 30 seconds. Nonetheless, he seemed to be in charge. His smooth, powerful style stood in marked contrast to Treyer's typical grimacing red face and choppy stride. It was now a two-man race. At 40 miles, Zimmerman was leading and looked like he was out for a Sunday jaunt. But soon he hit the wall and slowed nearly to a stop as Treyer went ahead to grab the win in 6 hours and 41 minutes and crushed the course record. He was elated and it turned out to be his lifetime 100k personal record. But Treyer was humble. He later said, I don't look for public acclaim. I'm satisfied to know that I ran my best. The thing that I enjoy most about ultra running, the reason I stick to it, is the camaraderie. Once the race is over, we all are good friends and have a good time afterwards. We're such a close-knit group. And I'm still in old Tennessee. Back in 1979, Gary Cantrell of Barkley fame was a marathon runner interested in stepping up to run an ultra marathon. He and his fellow horse mountain runners created their own ultra to run, the Strolling Jim 40 in Wartrace, Tennessee. It was named after a famed horse and became one of the oldest yearly ultras in the country. The race was held on a difficult hilly road course and was Cantrell's first experience at creating a tough race. He said, Six or eight doctors will be in the race and that sort of surprised me. You'd think, of all people, they'd know better. Treyer went to run Strolling Jim in May 1988, where he was the pre-race favorite. About 100 runners started. Treyer and Zimmerman separated from the pack from the beginning, and Zimmerman stretched a six-minute lead at the marathon point. Cantrell explained, When the course reaches 29 miles, the nature of things changes instantly. The next five miles forms a rugged roller coaster ride of short but intense hills on a rough, rocky road. Zimmerman cruised through this wall stretch, leaving Treyer in the rear for good. But Treyer searched for the final 10 miles and claimed second place. Treyer returned to Strolling Jim the next year, 1989, even more determined. Zimmerman couldn't defend his tile because of a stress fracture, so Treyer was the clear favorite. Treyer charged to the front as usual. Sparks flew from Charlie's feet as he continued to scorch the road. 
but by 17 miles, Steve Warshower passed him, starting a classic battle, running sub-six-minute miles. As they battled, Treyer missed grabbing a jug of water at an unmanned aid station. He accepted a bottle from Warshower. Charlie quickly poured this water over his head, only to find out that the sticky brown and green liquid, now stuck in his hair and beard, was actually a ginseng and herb mixture. At mile 22, Treyer went back into the lead. Steve closed the lead to 40 seconds at the walls. The race was decided on the most brutal section of the course. Twice Treyer surged, and twice Warshower responded. Charlie's trademark is a hard-working style and a seemingly imperiousness to pain. He threw himself into the walls at a furious pace. Treyer pulled away and set a new course record by one second. In 1990, Treyer went south to run the Birmingham Track Club's 50-miler in Alabama, scheduled to be run in Oak Mountain Park. But the night before the race, a terrible storm went through that included a tornado that might have passed through the park. When we reached the park entrance, we found that storm damage, in particular downed power lines, and closed the park. There we sat, 70 runners in 70 cars, while the race director tried to come up with an alternative course. They quickly received permission to move the race to a private school. Measurements were made for a 2.44 mile loop on pavement, dirt, and mud. The delay for the start was only an hour and a half. The course was very flat, but the rain-saturated dirt section portended difficulties a few laps into the race. Back onto pavement streamed the runners, slightly muddied but not slowed. Treyer took his customary place in front. As the lap count mounted, the mud grew worse and worse. Going around made the mud holes wider. Going through made them deeper. Treyer gained a lead of 15 minutes, then had a rough spell allowing others to close the lead, but he recovered and pulled away again to win in 5 hours and 38 minutes. Treyer competed in the 1991 100K World Cup held in Italy. It was held at the Del Passatori 100K race. This event involved a mass participation of more than 3,000 runners and hikers. It was the 19th edition of this classic race on one of the most scenic and difficult 100k courses in the world at that time. It went from Florence to Faenza over the Apennine Mountains. That year, for the first time, a full USA national team was allowed to compete. Treyer arrived in Italy only two days before the race, resulting in jet lag. The race would begin at 4 p.m. and go through the night. Thousands of runners milled around near the start. A mass of humanity pressed forward as the race began. Don Ritchie recalled, I was surrounded and found it impossible to run at a pace I wanted. Once we reached the next square, I was able to start moving through and soon reached the loose group at the head of the field. Then started a steep, steady climb out of Florence for the first 15K. Treyer was a favorite for the American team, but he ran into trouble early on the mountainous course. Unofficial aid stations sprang up along the way with huge roadside barbecues and neighborhood festivals. Spectators in cars and on bikes poured onto the course from every available side road. 
there was literally hundreds of bikes and cars unassigned to any particular runner, weaving among the leaders just to be part of the ambiance. It was a typical European spectacle. Treyer struggled badly by 50k, but a fellow team member slowed to encourage him. They then both ran very gutsy second halves through fatigue and dizzy spells for a fine team finish. With teamwork like this, the American team was the only team where all the team members finished. Treyer finished 55th out of 1,156 finishers. In the mid-1990s, Treyer's injuries had healed and his running legs and speed came back. He was able to run in Scotland's two bridges several more times for a total of nine. He also ran more years in the Boston Marathon. But life's challenges made it impossible for him to return to be highly competitive in ultra running. Other things were properly more important. He was still always seen running out on the roads in and around his city of Reading, Pennsylvania, including to and from work. He became referred to as the Forrest Gump of Berks County. My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. Treyer ran what may have been his last ultra in 1998 at Bull Run 50 Miler with a time of 8.26. In 1998, he was still having knee problems and a one mile run even hurt. He had visions of still being able to run classic races like London to Brighton and Comrades in South Africa, but after a family tragedy occurred involving the loss of a son, the love of running drifted away. By 2003, Treyer stopped running altogether, cold turkey. His running career had lasted for 35 years. All of those cobblestone streets in Europe and carrying tons of recycling had taken its toll on his knees. But he stayed active in running clubs, organized many races, and developed a love going to flea markets. He loved being involved with this new close-knit flea market community. Ultra-running legend and historian Dan Brennan ran with Schreyer back in the day. He commented, He was a down-to-earth, simple, unassuming guy. I envied his approach to the sport. Don't overthink it. Don't plan a strategy based on who else is in the race. Just go right out to the front and hammer as hard as you can for as long as you can. Just drive relentlessly right from the start line to the finish line. Don't consider the course. Don't consider the weather. Every race is the same, whether it's a mile or 100k. Foot racing for him was basic and simple as it should be. You shouldn't make it complicated. Charlie Treyer never did. During his running career, Charlie ran about 95 marathons and ultras. In 2020, he was 65. He and Donna Marie still lived in Reading, Pennsylvania. He worked at a feed mill, was still active, happy, and loved to reflect back on his running days. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. <laughs>